You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. A full preview of Week 11 in the SEC. We'll give you matchup breakdowns and game predictions for all six games on Saturday. And we'll also talk all things SEC with our buddy Jim Dunaway from the Jocks Roundtable on Jocks FM in Birmingham. He'll give his thoughts on both the Alabama and Auburn games this weekend and much more. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this one as soon as it comes out each and every day, five days a week. Before we get into previewing this weekend's SEC games, just a quick note came out yesterday evening. The PlayStation Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, Arizona, announced it will be played without fans in attendance this year. The Fiesta Bowl is, of course, one of the New Year's Six Bowls that make up the playoff semifinal rotation. However, they are not a semifinal this year. It is expected to be two at-large teams. I would think Georgia could certainly be in the mix there. They did say family members of the players will be able to attend, but that will be it. No public. That came on the heels of the news that the Rose Bowl, which is one of the national semifinal games this year, will also not allow fans. The uh, other semifinal game this year, the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, is expected to host some fans. So if you're going to be a playoff team this year, I'm sure you're probably rooting to make the Sugar over the Rose just so you could have some fans in attendance. Uh, The Orange Bowl, as well as the national championship game, which will be at the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, will both still allow limited fans as well. So uh, if you get to the Rose Bowl, you have no fans there, you'll get them back in the national championship game. All that matters just simply because Alabama certainly in the mix, Florida in the mix, and Texas A&M in the mix still all to make the playoff. All right, let's get into it. Week 11 of SEC play. Let's do our matchup breakdowns. Matchup breakdowns. At 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, it's number five, Texas A&M at five and three, Auburn. The Aggies are about a touchdown favorite. A&M coming off a not-so-offensively impressive performance in a win over LSU. Auburn coming off their beatdown at the hands of Alabama in the Iron Bowl. The stats that jump out to you, the Aggies are fifth in the country in stopping the run. Auburn does not like to run the ball or, or has not been very successful at it lately with Tank Bigsby banged up. AM, they have the fourth, fourth best scoring offense in the SEC, averaging over 31 points a game while giving up right around 22 points a game. That's third best in the conference. The all time series between these two is tied at five games apiece. Bo Nix is fifth in the SEC in passing yards, while Aggie running back Isaiah Spiller is third in the SEC rushing. Ultimately, I think Auburn bounces back being at home. They got embarrassed by Bama last week. I think they're going to keep it close with AM, but I think the Aggies still win. Kellen Mond is getting crushed for his bad performance last week in the rain against LSU. I think he bounces back, and I think the Aggies pull this one out 24 to 20. Auburn covers, but the Aggies improve to 7 1 and remain in the hunt for a playoff spot. And if Auburn drops to 5 4 overall, you know a lot of folks will be eyeing that Gus Malzahn buyout on the Plains. Also at 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern on the SEC Network. It's 3-5 Arkansas at 4-3 Mizzou. Two first-year head coaches in the SEC and honestly both deserving of Coach of the Year honors in the conference. A lot of people very impressed with what Sam Pittman has already done at Arkansas, but give Eli Drinkowitz some credit. 
in year one at Columbia with a freshman quarterback in Connor Bazelak, dynamic running back in Larry Roundtree. They have put the SEC East on notice. Arkansas is still second in the nation in interceptions with 13. However, they have had none in their last two games. Offensively, quarterback Felipe Franks was boom or bust in his last game out against LSU. He hit some long bombs, but the Razorbacks were 0 for 10 on third downs. And you consider Mizzou just pitched a dominant shutout against Vandy, beating them 41-0. I think Arkansas is going to have to bring their A game in this one. And there was a little social media trash talk yesterday as Arkansas football tweeted out a graphic with linebackers Bumper Poole and Grant Morgan as the top linebacking tackling duo in the SEC, the graphic said. But Mizzou linebacker Nick Bolton, he retweeted it and said, LOL at the caption. See y'all Saturday. Also have a little bit of a revenge factor with Arkansas defensive coordinator Barry Odom returning to his former employer. Of course, he was the Mizzou head coach the last couple of years. Nobody knows that roster better than Barry Odom. Mizzou leads the all-time series here 8-3. Mizzou a three-point home favorite. I just think the Tigers being at home will win this one, carrying a lot of confidence after winning their last two. I've got Mizzou covering 31-27. Your 2.30 p.m. Central, 3.30 Eastern CBS game. It's number six, Florida, on the road at 2-5 Tennessee. Florida is a 17.5-point road favorite. And this is on the Gators. This is one the Gators need to win to continue their momentum toward the SEC title game and also help continue to improve the Kyle Trask Heisman campaign. Florida leads this all time series 29 20. Florida had a great second half last week against Kentucky, while Tennessee, they're on a five game losing streak. The Vol offense under Jim Chaney, super disappointing during this losing streak. They're averaging, averaging 15 points a game on offense. It's looking like Harrison Bailey, the quarterback, will get his first career start for the Vols on Saturday. Jeremy Pruitt said this week Bailey will definitely play in this game. The hope is just that they take the handcuffs off of him, let him throw the ball around, and hope that run game can help keep him balanced. Defensively, the Vols, they have been struggling, and they just lost one of their better sack artists in Kavon Bennett, who was dismissed from the team. Kyle Trask, he's thrown for at least three touchdowns in every game this season. I just think the Gators are too good this year. I think they're going to roll offensively. Tennessee may be able to move the ball a little bit on that Florida defense. Maybe find the end zone once or twice. But the Dan Mullen offense is just too much. I like Florida to win 41-20. The Gators cover over the balls. Coming up next, well, we'll preview the other three games this weekend in the third segment of today's show. But up next, we're going to talk with Jim Dunaway of Jocks FM, get his thoughts on some of this weekend's games. Guys, it's the weekend. Time to relax, time to watch football, and time to enjoy some ice-cold Coors Light. Make sure your fridge is stocked up and ready to go. Our house is always stocked up with Coors Light. It is mountain-cold refreshment. It is made to chill. It's time to kick back on your couch, watch some SEC football, and crack open a Coors Light. Of course, it is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And it's about that time of year where you can just go sit outside on the back porch. You don't even need a koozie. Let the cold air keep those Blue Mountain cans cold for you. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill, and that's Coors Light. You can get them in their new-look cans delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And remember to celebrate responsibly Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, make sure you subscribe and catch Locked On SEC on Monday. We will have full reaction to all of this weekend's games, 
and give you who impressed and depressed. That's Monday on Locked on SEC. Roll along here, Locked On SEC, and real excited for a full slate of games this weekend in the conference, and honestly, uh, two SEC teams finishing off their season this weekend. It's uh, unique how the schedule has worked out, but nonetheless, some big, big games this weekend, and uh, join us now to talk a little bit about some of the games is a guy who's joined us uh, once or twice here on the podcast. Always love getting his insight. He is part of the uh, Jocks Roundtable, Jocks FM in Birmingham, and he is Jim Dunaway, and he jumps in with us now. Jim, what's going on, man? Just ready for another big weekend. I can't believe we're so close to the finish line. We waited so long, and boy, we're so close. It feels like even with all the potholes, we're going to make it to the end of this thing. Yeah, it's always bittersweet this time of year, Jim, because it does mean you know we're getting closer to a big matchup in the SEC title game. You know, interesting to see what happens with the playoff. Does A and M get in and all this? But it also means, man, we're almost done with the season of SEC football, and that's no fun. But you're right. I mean, the fact that we got the season in is uh, is good news, and the fact that we're, we're probably going to play every game, which is, is better to say than what the ACC can say. What did you make of? the ACC eliminating the final games for both Clemson and Notre Dame to kind of help pad their path to the playoff. Um, it's not a, it's not a um, brave heart way of doing things. <laughs> I can't imagine Mel Gibson's character saying, let's swap off half our schedule or a weekend of our schedule and, and go win a battle that way. But uh, if you're looking at the X's and O's of it all, coaching it up from an ACC perspective, I think they have, Almost, almost locked themselves into two teams in the playoffs. And so from that side, I think it's a pretty good move. I'm just surprised the ACC did that for Notre Dame, basically, who's only going to be a one-night stand and then leave them without any money on the nightstand. That's just uh, <laughs> it's surprising that they did all that for them. And it's going to be a one and done with Notre Dame in this league. Yeah, and I love Greg Sankey taking some shots at him, deservedly so. Um, let's get into some of the games this weekend. The Alabama LSU game, Jim, for the past decade plus, has been the premier game in the conference. Obviously, last year was so exciting. It was a thrilling game in Tuscaloosa. We know how high flying the LSU offense was, and they put on a show and finally broke through and got a win last year. But Man, it is really disappointing for this matchup to see the probably the biggest point spread as far back as I can remember between these two teams playing. It's just LSU is going in a different direction than Alabama is this year. There's not a person listening to your podcast because you have such a trendy younger audience that will remember this movie. It's called Poseidon Adventure, <laughs> and it was in the box office in the 70s, but it aired on CBS television as they, um, you know, as they take movies from box office back in the day and they'd run them in prime time on TV. It aired in CBS on CBS in the early 80s. Uh, with CBS moving this game to prime time, this may be the biggest disaster they've had in prime time since Poseidon Adventure in the 80s because Alabama's in a name-your-score situation, and that's never happened in this rivalry before. Usually this matchup is the one time or one of the few times that it's Alabama's roster matched up against a roster that looks a lot like them. And because of the opt-outs, the graduations, the early entries, this LSU roster looks nothing like this Alabama roster. This will be nothing like your typical LSU-Alabama game. In fact, my radio partner, Ryan Brown, 
said he thinks 50 is the point spread. Wow. And we tried to make a bet on the air today. He said, I'll give you guys minus 50 for four nights on 30A. And LT, my <laughs> other partner, and I would not take the bet LSU plus 50 because we were scared. We would lose four nights in 38. We wouldn't take the bet. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I mean, my my thing that I look at it, Jim, you know Alabama's going to score, right? We know they're going to put up a lot of points. They've been doing it all year. Um, Devontae Smith is un, unstoppable. My question is, can LSU score? I mean, we saw earlier this year Ole Miss, you know, put up a lot of points and a lot of yards on Alabama's defense. But, uh, you know, apparently Alabama's defense has gotten way better, and it feels like they've gotten better week in and week out. I look at what LSU struggled to do on offense last week against AM, which was, you know, a game where LSU's defense finally played well and they just couldn't the offense couldn't do enough. That game was out there for the taking, and LSU didn't couldn't do anything on offense to go get the victory. I just wonder, can they score on Alabama? And that's kind of been the story of this series every time they've they've played it uh in Baton Rouge in recent years, is LSU's offense can't score. Uh, let me take it from this perspective, Jim. If Coach O called you today and said, "Hey, Jim, I need some. Give me some advice. What do you think we should do? How do we stay close in this game?" What would you tell him? Um, I would probably first say, "Call Jim Harbaugh and see how he's finagling <laughs> the COVID numbers again," because a lot of people think when Herb Street went off the other night, he was talking about Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney talking to him about teams dodging because of COVID. Uh, I think there's two things at play here. First off, uh, the LSU defense did play better against Texas A&M, but I would tell Coach O two things. Mac Jones is not Kellen Mond. He's more consistent. And two, if your secondary is going to read the Alabama receivers like they read the Texas A&M receivers, you're going to get a big case of Latin this week. It's going to be a foreign language because the Alabama receivers are legit ahead of where the Texas A&M receivers are. And then on the flip side of that, when LSU's trying to score, I asked Roman Harper this. I said, what is Alabama doing differently now than they were doing uh, in the Ole Miss game? And he says, Jim, it's really simple, and I've never really seen Nick Saban do it as much as he's doing it, but they're playing a lot more zone. So the young defensive backs, they're disguising it as man-to-man, but in reality they're playing a, a very simple zone defense and that is really out of characteristic of, of the traits of Nick Saban and all the coordinators he had. Usually it's man up, NFL corner on NFL receiver, and let's go play man defensive football. But they've sort of softened the blow for this young secondary playing a lot of zone, and it has resonated with them. They're playing better, which means the linebackers playing better, which all of a sudden, if you notice in the Auburn game, Alabama's getting great pressure now on the quarterback something they were not doing to Matt Corral and the Ole Miss guys back in Oxford. It's, it's funny. You look at Alabama's trend all throughout the season. They've played better games like Georgia and on through to Auburn. But two of the more challenging games they had was Missouri and Ole Miss out of the gate because of the new parts, piecing it together. And then as that young team has learned, they have gotten much better near the end. Would you put Derek Stingley on Devontae Smith, just say, hey, wherever he goes, you're following him? I would, and, you know, I, you know, it would be a shot to Stingley's ego, but I would also say I wouldn't be afraid to put help with Stingley on Devontae and force them into throwing it to Mechie or to the tight ends or to someone else. If I could, if I could even double up Devontae, 
and and force them to do it some other way and run the ball with Najee, that's what I would do. But here's the problem, uh, and Nick Saban has spoken about this a lot, including on our show, Devontae is such a high IQ guy, whether you put him at X, Y, or Z slot, they, they he knows all three positions. So every time he comes out, uh, Steve Sarkeesian is able to move him around the field and you don't know where he's going to line up. So you can try that with Stingley, but you can get into some confusing situations and maybe even a worse matchup with a linebacker on Mechie or something like that. One more on Alabama before we move on to, to Auburn. Is, uh, do you think Sark is a head coach somewhere next year? Oh, yeah. I, I was surprised he didn't leave last year. Uh, I, I've been told by one person that it was almost a gentleman's agreement from Sark when he came back to Alabama that he he sort of promised Nick Saban two years. And so, you know, Colorado was a big talking point that they wanted Sark, which I thought would have been a great fit. It would have been a rebuild, but a great fit. I think Steve Sarkeesian would be – I'd be excited if he was the next coach after Nick Saban. Now, you know, I believe what Chris Lowe wrote uh, wrote this week at ESPN.com that – that Saban's closer to coaching eight to nine more years than he is to just one more year. But but we don't know how long, right? I mean, if he wins a national championship this year, he could walk away. Who knows mentally what the pandemic has done to him. I know from you know doing his show all these years that when he's not coaching, he's not happy. And so it's hard to imagine him not coaching. And missing the game, the Iron Bowl this past week, and missing practice against Georgia – I know that has not set well with him. He's going to coach in this LSU game when he gets the all clear. Um, so I personally think Nick Saban's going to coach as long as he possibly can coach. That means Sarkeesian's going to have to leave and go coach somewhere else. Um, I don't think he would take the South Carolina job. I know he wouldn't take the Vandy job. But, you know, I, I would love Steve Sarkeesian to be my coach if I was somewhere out there and a fan of a team. It didn't work the way people thought it would work at Washington or USC. But I think Sark has cleaned up his act, and one more trip around, I think we all get smarter if we get second and third opportunities. Yeah, I could just see Saban sitting around the house last week going, what, this is retirement? Hell no, this isn't for me. I need to be out there doing he something. Was, <laughs> dude, he was so frustrated, and not just during the game, because at least he's watching that and breaking it down and, right. and knows he's going to do, you know, oddly he was going to do the post-game interviews, so he had to pay attention to the game, right? He's getting napped. <laughs> He 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 wouldn't like Sark. He wouldn't even like Sark do the post game. I'm going to do the post game. So from his house, they pumped in post game to us uh, at the stadium, which was a, a unique setting uh, after the Iron Bowl. But yeah, it it frustrated him as much during the week because the dude loves to go to practice. Well, you mentioned the Iron Bowl. Obviously, very disappointing performance by Auburn. I thought they put up a little bit more of a fight. Uh, Texas A&M, we mentioned disappointing last week. Their defense was lights out, but the offense, very disappointing against LSU. And we get to see these two teams matched up 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern on ESPN Saturday morning. What do you make here? Because I'm seeing more and more people starting to say, I, I, I think Auburn has a chance at an upset here. Aggie's only a seven-point road favorite. Yeah, let me tell you why, because I, too, think Auburn has a chance. I don't know if they win it, but I think they got a chance to win this game. And because this is Gus Malzahn's uh, resume, this is Gus Malzahn what he does. If you're, if you're putting in a Gus Malzahn movie, this is the sequel. He loses the Iron Bowl. His championship's hopes are out. Now in a weird situation with more games after the Iron Bowl, 
he can make you feel good about a average season. His record after 2013 at Auburn is riddled with three, four, five loss seasons. But somehow, whether it's the prayer at Jordan Hare, the kick six, whatever happens throughout the course of a season, things happen. And by the end of the year, you're like, you know, it wasn't that bad. That four-loss season wasn't that bad. That three-loss season wasn't that bad. How do you fix that? Well, you do exactly this. You, you lose the Iron Bowl in a blowout situation, but here comes number five Texas A&M at Jordan-Hare. Bo Nix is light years better at Jordan-Hare, even with cardboard cutouts or spaced-out fans. He's better at Jordan-Hare than he is on the road. Gus Malzahn's winning record, so much better at home than it is on the road. And that's where this game is. It's at Jordan-Hare. It's a comfort level, and this is prototypical Gus Malzahn win this game, eliminate the Aggies, and then Auburn fans will be like, you know, this three-loss season wasn't as bad as we as, as it looks like it was. That Iron Bowl, Alabama's good. We beat Texas A&M. Not so bad. Let's keep Gus. In fact, let's give him a raise. That's a great point. I mean, 7-3 and three is not a fireable offense. I mean, it would be tough to make that argument. All right, last question for you, Jim. Bold prediction. We've seen Muschamp go. We've seen Derek Mason go. Will there be another firing of a head coach in the SEC before season's end? Well, I had an opportunity. I love, I'm one of those weird people that love the uh, sports bar college call-in shows. Yeah. So, ball, <laughs> I do. I don't know why I like it. Uh, but, but usually I try to dial up the ones where coaches are having problems. And earlier this year, Muschamp got the old, you know, face covering, hey, you should wear a ski mask since you're robbing Ray Tanner of money. Got that question uh, a couple of times. Well, I happen to dial in the ball calls, and my buddy Jeremy Pruitt gets the, uh, the call from a guy, when are you going back to Alabama? And he, you know, gives an answer that you give. I think there is a scenario, unlikely, but a scenario out there with Jeremy Pruitt with his schedule, if you're not paying attention, they play. He plays the number six and number five teams to end the season if we play this thing out. And if those become two blowout situations, I'm talking, you know, 21 points, 21 points, which could happen against this quality of opponent, I could see Philip Fulmer, you know, he's got a lot of clout. Jeremy's his guy. But usually when you got a lot of clout with the boosters like Fulmer has, the best way to save clout with your, your friends, the boosters, is realize you made a mistake and you make a quick move and you make a decision and just nip it in the bud. That would be my bold prediction. If it goes really bad, the next coach to go would be Jeremy Pruitt. I don't think it happens, but you asked for bold, so I'll go Pruitt. Yeah, that's uh, not surprising. I saw that that quote, too, that uh, Phil Fulmer compared him. You know, Johnny Majors had close to the same record through his first 30 games. It's like, okay, let's let's pipe down a little bit, Fulmer. Hey, and, and if you know the relationship, Johnny Major was in a hospital and Phil Fulmer was the interim head coach, and he went, he went, uh, he went full Caesar and Brute on him, uh, stabbed him in the back, and, and rolled out, I'll take the job, I'll be the head coach, and they ran Johnny out of town. Maybe that's what it's setting up for. Phil Fulmer returned to the sidelines once again <laughs> after Jeremy Pruitt. He is Jim Dunaway, of course, from the Jocks Roundtable, Jocks FM in Birmingham. Jim, always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. Man, anytime. I always enjoy it. Absolutely. Jim Dunaway there, Jocks FM in Birmingham. Love getting his perspective. Nobody breaks it down better than him. Uh, those guys, man, talk about just a group of guys on a radio station that know the entire SEC through and through. I mean, I know they're in Birmingham, uh, so they talk a lot of Alabama. They talk a good bit of Auburn. But, man, those guys know 
what they're talking about when it comes to the SEC, and we'd love to talk talk with Jim Dunaway. More to come on Locked on SEC after this. If you're like me and you have that little bit of that afternoon crash in your workday, you're sitting at your desk and you just go, oh my God, I got to get through the next three to four hours. How am I going to do it? Might I recommend Built Go. Built Go makes you best at what you do, whatever you do. You can break through that proverbial wall. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's all natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster energy drink, but with a third of the caffeine and much better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. You got the peanut butter honey. You got the chocolate mint. You got the chocolate coconut. Whatever you want to try, you can check them out, BuiltGo.com. When you go there, find the one that you like and make sure you use the promo code LOCKED. That's L-O-C-K-E-D, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. It is loaded with all that good stuff to ignite your workday. The B6s, the big B12s, all that cool science stuff that I don't really understand. I know it's got collagen, it's got protein, fast absorbing, and it works in your system fast, and it goes easy on your stomach. It's BuiltGo.com. Let's go. For the best bets heading into Sunday's NFL action, you need to listen to Locked on NFL every Friday as your boy Q and Bo Brock are joined by a betting expert and analyst from the Action Network. Get your full weekend preview and Sunday six-pack of winning bets every Friday on Locked on NFL. Subscribe to Locked on NFL wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump right back into it and continue previewing this weekend's SEC games. At 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern at Sanford Stadium, it's Athens. In Athens, it's 0-8 Vanderbilt at number 8 Georgia. The Bulldogs are 35.5-point favorites. Georgia leads this all-time series 58-20-2. Obviously, the Dogs have been a different team on offense the last couple of weeks. Much better at that quarterback spot with JT Daniels running the show. And last week against South Carolina... Georgia running backs, they rushed for over 300 yards on the ground. Georgia leads the SEC in run defense. They are second in total defense just behind Texas A&M. And just looking at last week, Georgia hung 45 on South Carolina while Vandy got 41 hung on them by Mizzou. I think this game pretty similar. I'll take Georgia to win 41 to 7. I think Vandy scores a touchdown late. We've seen Ken Seals do that a couple of times this year at quarterback. He did it against Mississippi State. He did it against Kentucky. A lot of talk will be on Sarah Fuller once again, serving as the kicker for Vanderbilt. I think she does get on the scoreboard this week and kicking an extra point for that late touchdown, but I don't think Vandy will attempt a field goal throughout the game. Georgia's defense just too good. I'd expect another solid day throwing the ball for JT Daniels and another big day on the ground for the Georgia backs. And Georgia will improve to 7-2, eyeing what they hope to be a really good bowl game building momentum up for next season. At 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern, it's 2-7 South Carolina at 3-6 Kentucky. Both teams finishing off their seasons on Saturday. Kentucky an 11.5-point favorite at home. South Carolina leads the all-time series 18-12-1. Luke Doty, he has shown some things these past two weeks at quarterback for South Carolina. Kentucky, despite being hampered by guys out with quarantine, they put up a heck of a fight last week, 
especially in the first half against Florida. They did fall apart in the second half, but they were solid on both offense and defense in that first half. The Cats do lose their best cover corner in Kelvin Joseph, who just opted out to prepare for the NFL draft. But I think the Cats are able to do enough on offense. It's Terry Wilson at quarterback on senior day. And then Cats running back A.J. Rose. He needs just 48 yards this week to pass Mark Logan for the 10th all-time rushing spot in Kentucky history. Chris Rodriguez also expected to be back. He is ninth in the SEC this season running the ball despite having missed the last two games. Ultimately, I think this is one of those close, ugly games. I think South Carolina covers the 11 and a half, but I think Kentucky wins it at home to finish the year four and six. I've got the Wildcats winning 23 to 20 over the Gamecocks. Mark Stoops will get a pass for what's been a really difficult year and the South Carolina coaching search. So that, that'll ramp up now that Will Muschamp's gone. They can begin the hiring process. And lastly, at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern on CBS, it's the doubleheader in what is typically a great SEC matchup. It's number one Alabama at three and four LSU in Baton Rouge, the reigning national champion Tigers. Just going through a ton of struggles this year after losing all they did from last year's game in players and coaches. One good thing for LSU, they will have some special guest captains out there for the start of the game as Joe Burrow and Clyde edwards elair are expected to make a return to Baton Rouge. And those two guys, they were the difference makers in this game a year ago as LSU finally got over the hump and beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa 46-41. But video leaked out after that game from the LSU locker room. As Coach O was celebrating, he uttered the phrase, Roll Tide, what? Bleep you. And that has certainly resonated with the Tide. They are ready for payback against the Tigers. Alabama, a 29-and-a-half-point favorite. This is the largest spread in this series in some time. Some interesting matchups to watch for. Will Derek Stingley shadow Devontae Smith wherever he goes this week? Remember last year, Smith got the best of Stingley on a go route. Basically, Stingley was looking to the sidelines and Tua snapped the ball very quickly. Devontae Smith ran right past Derek Stingley. Will that happen again on Saturday? Ultimately, I think this is a game Mac Jones can pad his stats as he continues to try to make his case for the Heisman. I would expect him to throw at least four, maybe five touchdowns. I think Najee Harris runs wild. LSU's defense has just not been very good. They had their best performance last week against Texas A&M, but they were aided by sloppy, gross, rainy playing conditions. LSU expected to start freshman quarterback T.J. Finley, although Coach Coach O said Max Johnson will also see some time at quarterback. He may be able to move the ball a little bit just with his running ability, but I think this is a game where Nick Saban is going to feast. Saban said on his coach's show last night, He has been cleared to travel to Baton Rouge. He said, quote, I'll be there. I'm good. I think my time is up, and I'm ready to get back into the swing of things. That does not bode well for LSU. I'm picking the Alabama Crimson Tide to win this one 52-10. to I think LSU does not get shut out. Some people are thinking they will. I think they do find a way to score a touchdown and a field goal, but... My goodness, it will be a sloppy or a an ugly, ugly one-sided game for Alabama to get their revenge on LSU. And there you have it. Those are our matchup breakdowns and predictions for this weekend. Take it to the bank. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Appreciate all you guys for listening. Appreciate Jim Dunaway for joining us. If you missed any of our great shows this week, go back and check them 
on the podcast. You can find them all at LockedOnSEC.com or wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, some great guests from Joel Klatt at Fox Sports to Jacob Hester to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy Sports. Check them all out on the podcast, LockedOnSEC.com. We'll talk to you guys on Monday with full reaction to what happened in the weekend of the SEC as Kentucky and South Carolina finish off their seasons. Everybody else still has a game or two or three left to play. We'll talk about it all on Monday. I'm Chris Gordy. Have a great weekend, everybody.